0: Well, welcome, everybody. I'm going to welcome the live streamers. If you're tuning in for one of our campus churches, glad to have you with us tonight. We're about ready to get started, but real quick before we start, if you do have questions throughout the night, you can write them down. You can take them down to Nicole right here, and she'll try to get them up to us in, in a timely manner. But anyways, thanks for being with us tonight.
1: I think the Urbana Church is there, too. All right. well, see so, good to have you. Yeah, we're glad you're all here. So uh before we get started, let's answer a couple of questions. Said uh Saturday I heard the message and wondered if there's a difference between possessing the gifts and operating in them. Yes. Absolutely. Uh these gifts are given to you when you receive the person of the Holy Ghost. The gifts are attributed to Him, and when you receive Him, you don't just get a part of Him, you get Him. He fills them, and therefore every believer has resident on the inside of them nine gifts of the Spirit. The evidence of the infilling of the Holy Ghost comes by supernatural languages. Now you can. Uh, some people, not not all people, but very few people, do. They. Prophesy when they get filled with the Holy Ghost. You say, "Well, that's not tongues." Well, it is tongues interpreted, but it is an inspired language of the Holy Ghost. For it's not you that speaketh, but the Spirit of your Father that speaks in you. You find that in Acts 19th chapter, verse six, I think. And then uh, those that speak in tongues—that is an evidential language. That language is associated with magnifying God through praise or adorations or proclamations about who God is and what God has done. We find that in Acts the 10th chapter, and that is usually the evidential language. But the language that was used for evidential purpose uh, for Israel to realize that it was a time for prophetic fulfillment was when men would speak to men in another tongue. That happened in Acts the second chapter and that was a fulfillment of Joel 2.28 on down. So there are there are the evidences of it. The evidence to Israel was that God would speak to them with other tongues or tongues of other nations. And then But from that point on, it became an evidential language that magnified and exalted God uh, by those that spoke it. And Peter didn't say that he interpreted or understood. He said, how is it that these men magnify and utter these praises unto God? So from that, having him being there on the day of Pentecost, and then here with Cornelius' band of Italians then we would have to perceive that Peter perceived that this is what men did when they got filled with the Holy Ghost.
2: Yeah, all through Acts you see there's an evidence of something. Prophecy, boldness of speech, tongues, magnification. Yeah, there's always an evidence for the infilling.
1: So is there a tongue that specifically magnifies God? Well, it is a tongue where you might speak unto God. Uh, You know that Paul said, I will pray in the Spirit. So there would be a tongue that the Holy Ghost gives you the utterance of, and it may be your initial evidence or evidential language. But not any place does the evidential language proclaim that they were praying for people. Mm -hmm. So, uh, and then the other question was, uh, if we are praying in tongues, mysteries, uh, is it God that's speaking through our spirit to us, or our spirit speaking to God. No, it's the Holy Ghost giving you an utterance. A holy the Holy Ghost giving you an utterance. Now I guess that would be a good question whether he's given it to your spirit or yeah. to your mind. Yeah. But I would say that Paul said, My spirit prayed. That's what I'll yeah. So it would be the Holy Ghost giving an utterance to your spirit, and your spirit Then expressing it through your soul, your intellect, your will, and so forth. Uh, So those were those things. Uh, We're going to talk about tomorrow in the last session how you can release the gifts of the spirit. And uh, so uh, we are also, this question here entailed uh, a sub-question that Does everybody that operate in the gifts have an encounter with God? No. No, it's not, uh, you don't have to have an encounter with God. You've been filled with the Holy Ghost. That was an encounter. And uh, since you've been filled with the Holy Ghost, now you have to discover how these gifts flow through the life of a believer. Now God will deal with people in different ways because there are diversities of gifts and different administrations or different ways that they're conducted through people's lives. So that will be different. And uh, you may do things that are totally unconventional and uh, so forth. Uh, But these uh, gifts will be given to you and anybody that is filled with the Holy Ghost can operate in all nine gifts of the Spirit. Just as easy as it is in speaking in tongues as you develop yourself walking with God, you will be able to transfer over into the, just like you could be praying in the natural and switch over yeah. to praying in the Holy Ghost, you'll be able to uh, be standing there and you'll just be able to tap and step over into the realm of the supernatural. Now people would say, well, well how was how that done? Well, I probably couldn't dot the I's and cross the T's of how it's done, but I can just tell you that 90% of the time that I go into a service, I've spent my time building my relationship with God because my relationship with God is not based upon just the activities of the gifts of the Spirit. Those are there to invoke and to cause faith to be born in men's lives. But I do not have an ongoing relationship with God just for the gifts. I have an intimate ongoing relationship with God. And because I've tasted and saw his goodness, I am intimately drawn to him more. So when I come into a service, I don't worry if I've been fasting three days or been doing this or doing that. I just know this, that I can flip over and operate in the gifts of the Spirit any given time in a service, in a hospital, any place I can. Uh, A lot of times you see these crusades. I hit the floor running or I hit the grounds. I stop. Sometimes I get a chain shirt. Sometimes I don't. I just go right into a service, start praying for the sick. That's just... I don't know what else to say. So, uh, you know, just as easy as I can pray in the Holy Ghost, I can uh, switch over and start being used in the gifts of the Spirit. So uh, they would, that will happen and we'll talk about that. And uh, never be intimidated like this lady uh, or whoever it was uh, said that she was uh, doing a teaching and there was a lady that had no legs there. Eric, can you get a, a microphone come here? And there was a lady that had no legs there. And uh, she said, could I have prayed? Well, you could have if you were led by the Spirit. Exactly. Some, every miracle is subject to timing as well as what God knows about that individual. So there may be things in their life that you may not know about. And uh, the woman made the statement, well, I will never walk again. That would be a pretty good indication that she's not ready for a miracle. So uh, come up here, Eric. Now, the first time I saw Brother Shambach do this, I was in Chicago. This woman had no foot. And uh, so she came up, they had her on this stretcher. And uh, Brother Shambach said, well, praise God, I believe God for a brand new foot. Yes. He grabbed that foot, buddy, and he prayed. There was no foot there. He grabbed that limb, and he prayed stump. for her. Just and it was
3: now, just a stump, remember?
1: Yeah, it was down here. This yeah. foot here was all gone, wow. oh, totally gone. He prayed for her. next day, that woman would come back with a new foot. You say, oh, I've never seen such. You probably never will. But I'm telling you that I was there paying to do without food for three or four days, to watch him and Norval Hayes, and I saw a brand-new foot grow on a leg, a foot that had been taken off. Amen. And, Eric, you have seen more than I have seen with Brother Schambach.
3: Yeah, I think, I think one of the greatest miracles I saw with Brother Schambach was when we were in Bulgaria. Uh, we went there right after the communist wall had fallen down, and we had uh, uh, 15,000 people in a convention center that... Probably could seat about 12,000 in Bulgaria. There were no fire code rules, so they, just, they packed the aisles and stuff, so hungry for the things of God. And I remember the woman um, had come to the service at, the night before. She had a thumb on one hand. She had, of course, one hand was fine, but she had a thumb on the other hand. And I asked the interpreter, tell me what happened to her. What, what, what's, what's going on? She said, she would not deny Christ. And the communists basically cut four fingers off until they thought that she, they, they could get her to buy into to denying Christ. Well, she never did. She came that night to shared the story of brother Shambach and brother Shambach I can see the gift of faith come on him mm-hmm. and when he he just basically took her took her hand her thumb and just said I, I, I just I just speak a, a, a creative miracle over his fingers I command him to come out I, 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 I thank you Lord for doing it he said it more eloquently than I just did right there but I've seen so much happen I mean I was one of those guys that watched and prayed you know some people want to pray and close their eyes I was watching and praying I've seen so many things happen instantly I thought He's going to take that hand off. There's going to be four fingers there. Well, there wasn't. He said, Mama, I know in my spirit, you got it tonight. Mm-hmm. She came back the next night. And this is a long story. I'll abbreviate it. Yep, go Pastor. ahead. Okay. Um, and she came back the next night. Brother Shambach would always like to do testimonies before he preached to build people's faith so they can receive a miracle in their own right. And um, she came back the next night. I saw my own two eyes. She had a brand new hand. And um, Brother Shambach, you know, of course... Uh, we were under a lot of opposition in that crusade. We literally had a bomb put in our building in that meeting. And I had the security guy come to my ears. I'm talking, as Brother Stomach's giving testimonies, and it's just smiling from ear to ear. God, oh, praise God. Blind eye, come up. Oh, go ahead, Mama. You're-, you're fine. Just go run down the aisle and, and, uh, and be healed. Um, the usher comes to me. The security guy goes, "See, There's a bomb in the building, and it's seven floors up, and we got to evacuate all these people. Well, we did. Um, and and we're, I was saving that woman for the last portion of the evening to really build, just, just, just have a, an amazing testimony. Long story short, Brother Schumach's interviewing about 25, 30 people. We have to evacuate the whole building. We do. Um, that lady got a chance to share a testimony right before we had to evacuate everybody out. And uh, the, the eruption of the crowd was just so amazing. Well, to s- make that story as fast as I possibly can, because it's a unique story, Uh, You know, I'm I'm trying to get Brother Schaumbach out of that building. I had to evacuate 25 of our team members. We had to get him out of the building. (coughs) I got him to a a specific spot behind the convention center. And Brother Schaumbach, people after hearing his miracles, didn't want to leave the convention center. And we had police escorting people out. We're pushing them out the door. And uh, we had just, you know, they're like, if if God will put our fingers on that woman's hand, I I know he'll heal my body. So we had just a prayer line starting down down the middle. It was just me, Brother Schaumbach, and about 80 people. And I was like, Brother Schambach, sir, we, we have to go. There's a bomb. We've got to get out of here. And he said, oh, Eric, just let me pray for one more person. i like, okay. Pray for another person. And then, Brother Schambach, can we go? One more, Eric. Okay, Brother Sch-. After about 25 people doing that, I said, Brother Schambach, sir, we've got to go. And I picked him up with my left arm. His, hand, his legs were dangling in the air. I walked him in the, the direction. We go out of the building. Uh, get him to the cars. Um, long story short, um, we, um, Brother Schambach heard a roar. After evacuating all those people, News media was coming to the. You could hear sirens, fire departments. They're trying to defuse this bomb. And um, uh, Brother Semak said, "Eric, I hear a big roar on the front of the convention center. Um, why don't you go out and see what's going on?" And I'm thinking, Brother Semak, I just want to get out of here. I want to get you back to the hotel where I know you're safe, and our team's safe, and we can regroup and decide what we want to do. You know, I'm half thinking we're canceling this crazy this crazy crusade. i we're not going to die over here. Um, and he goes, "Eric, just go." All right, so okay. I look out there. The 15,000 people that we evacuated now have become 30,000 people. And this, this convention center was like a, like an amphitheater. It kind of steps going down. So I could see the pastors that were supporting the crusade on the top of the steps. And as they as they were preaching, I could hear hallelujah. I could recognize some words. And people were just, they were just coming by the thousands <coughs> because all the sirens were going off the entire city. And I go back to report to Brother Schaumbach and I say, Brother Schaumbach, um, you know, everything's fine. You know, uh, the pastors, to people, the crowd has grown substantially. I'm, I'm sure they're going to give an altar call. Everything's good. Let's go back to the hotel, sir. And uh, he goes, Eric, I want to go out there. I'm thinking, Brother Schambach, they put a bomb on our building. It's probably not safe for us to go out there. Uh, and he goes, no, I want to go. And as soon as he says that, uh, he hops in a car. I basically just basically get in the back of the car myself and one other guy. We drive around front. He sees it for himself. I'm thinking, what are you, Brother Schambach? You know, Downing Thomas, you got to see believe? It. I told you what was happening out here. And um, he, uh, he goes, Eric, I want to go up there where that pastor's at. I said, Brother Schambach, it's not safe. I didn't, w- what I didn't tell you, three nights prior, we had, we, had, we had skinheads break into our building of our crusade and started with chains and knives and, 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 and uh, cutting glass, punching bushers and stuff. The three nights prior to this, uh, uh, and I'm thinking to myself, and I'm thinking, I'm, that's why I was, my mind was going back to Bush. I'm like, I can't get you out of this car. You got a car. We're not, we're not in a safe zone. I, I no longer said, Brother Schambach, we can't do it. He opens the door and starts walking there. I'm like, oh, my God. Um, so I follow Brother Schambach, and uh, long story short, he goes up to the top of the steps. I put him on, a, on, a, on a, like, a, like a, a, a platform where he could preach. He handed it to my shoulders, and for the next 45 minutes, he preached. And it was amazing the way to see the pastors. They would take what he said then translate into Bulgarian, speak to the people. And uh, <laughs> that night, I would say over half the people that were out in front of us raised their hands to receive Christ, so I think the adage is, you know, all things work together for good who love God and are called according to His purpose. And there one of the things I, I loved about Brother Schoenbach yeah. is that he didn't let these kind of obstacles deter him. Mm-hmm. You know, as we're hungry for the things of God, we're hungry for the gifts of the Spirit in our lives, it's all for us. God's yeah. not a respected person. It's what He does for Brother Schoenbach. He'll do it for yeah. pastor, Absolutely. which I've seen by the tens of 1000s who He'll do it for Pastor Kyle and Brother Rob and all, the rest of us. So just be activated. Do something. Use your faith <coughs> and uh, watch God do amazing things.
1: Yeah. Amen. Thank you, Eric. So, uh, can it happen? The key word that Eric said, he had a, Brother Schambach operated under a gift of faith, which means that he would be able to believe beyond human capacity. And that's what, one of the things a gift of faith does. Uh, but Brother Schambach had the gift of faith. And you can see it fall on him, transform him, change his voice. You see all types of things happen when that gift comes up on him. But sometimes uh, if you try to force a gift, it won't work because the Holy Ghost, again, knows everything about the situation. So we are subject to him, and he divides severally as he wills. That means he will choose the gift that needs to function. But you also have to listen to people. You know, when Jesus talked to the woman who uh At the well, he asked her a question, and he said, ah, you're right. You've had five husbands, but did he know that was the one he was looking for? He didn't know, but he did after she started talking. So you have to be able to interpret the uh, atmosphere. You have to be able to interpret the languages that people are talking, and uh, so we'll get into some of that uh, tomorrow so that you'll understand it. And uh, is it going to be without failure? Oh, no. Man, you're going to be, you'll probably fail. You'll be ashamed. You'll think, oh, God, shit ain't working. You know, instruction are a way of life. So if you think that you've just been here and you heard it one time, you're going to be perfect, uh, you're not. Uh, no, not at all. Uh, but I'm never ashamed to try. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I thank God that I've got more successes and I've got failures. And uh, so, yeah. so tonight, let's, uh, we uh, dealt with that uh, speaking in tongues. But tonight, uh, since we've already started on the vocal gifts, uh, uh, why don't we uh, jump into prophecy? Let's see what a prophecy has to do. Now, realize that the gifts, uh, the vocal gifts, more so than any of them, have the potential to be more erroneous than any because they can be said without any verification Uh, where you could say, you know, well, thus saith the Lord. As soon as you say, thus saith the Lord, well, then everybody said, well, they said it was God. But we can still miss God on that. Mm -hmm. And another thing, when the gifts of the Spirit vocal gifts, operate in a church, they are one of the most cringing times of many congregations because you never know what's going to come out of the mouth of the individual. Now, uh, having said that, I do want to encourage everybody that you let God use you, but be able to discern. Sometimes when we get a word of prophecy or tongue or an interpretation of a tongue, it may be just for confirmation. Sometimes in, in the services that we've had, I've, and I've allowed it to happen all of the 36 years that I've been pastor, and uh, I've had some run-ins with people, but uh, and I've had to explain it to my congregation, but sometimes you may get a word, but if the word is not going to change the direction of a service, then that word is a word of confirmation. In other words, somebody comes up and says, and they prophesy, and it's just a, uh, you know, it's a, uh, we're in a service and people are just loving God, and then somebody comes up and says, seek me, I am here, seek me, I, like, what have we been doing? It's kind of, a confirmation is kind of useless to disrupt what's happening In order for you to be satisfied that you got something to say, you you understand what I'm saying? Prophecy is used to edify, comfort, and exhort. Prophecy is a supernatural utterance that is given to an individual, and that individual speaks in the place of God. And that individual speaks, and that individual that Gift of prophecy is designed to edify, to exhort, and to comfort. And that word edify means to build up or to charge. It means just to bring up or to revive. The word exhortation means to call near, draw people near, put a hunger, put a net, put something toward them that they're going to be drawn to. It means to encourage or to call out to. It means to strengthen, as you call them near. Then the word comfort means to persuade. It means to arouse or to stir up or to reignite a fire. Now, when we say that, one thing we need to exclude is that prophecy and exhortations are never to be used as a replacement of the office of a teacher in a church. And the problem is that people think that they have a revelation, so they get to share the revelation. That's not encouraging at all. That's you taking advantage of a gift, the opportunity of a church to preach your revelation. And it is a shame that we cannot interpret, or at least be honest. Now in my younger days, I'd let you do that once or twice, and then I'd embarrass you right in front of the church. But in my older days, I have a little more compassion or I think that people may be getting a little more dense. But if it is not an exhortation, then you know what, just be honest with yourself and say, I want people to think that this is a great illustration, had nothing to do with you. And so what you have to do is this, if what you're about to say is not needed to be said, then be quiet. The spirit of profit is subject to the prophet. And just because we have liberties in the gifts does not mean that we abuse them. Okay.
0: Yeah, is that structured. kind enough? No, yeah, well oh. sure. Yeah, there's always structure. Just yes. because there's liberty it doesn't mean there's not structure, yes. Order and definition. To what's happening. Right. So, like you're saying, it's not time to come down and teach because you want to share something. It needs to be that exhortation, encouragement,
1: and whatnot. And it needs to do what the prophecy says. Yes. If a prophecy or tongue or t- interpretation doesn't change the atmosphere, mm-hmm. it's probably easy enough to say that it was not God, it was flesh. Yes.
0: And, and just the clarification something we've talked about before the gift. A prophecy is obviously different than the office of a yes. prophet, the not the same Absolutely, as a five-fold yeah. ministry yes. gifting.
1: Yes. And uh, so people that prophesy are not prophets. They just have the opportunity to be used of God yes. to edify the church. Yeah. Now, yeah. again, you say, oh, I just feel like I'm afraid now to prophesy. Get <laughs> over yourself. Get over yourself. I'm not trying to be mean. I'm trying to be frank. Look, if you can't receive instruction as a child, then you're never going to raise up to stand in the place of an adult. And so, you know, they tell me today that even if I raise my voice, that millennials are afraid. They think you're yelling at them. I told them, get over yourself. Your parents should have yelled at you when you were two. Lord, if loud noises offend you, you're not going to cast out devils. Because Jesus got boisterous and loud when he commanded him come out. Amen? Yeah. So, so the gift of prophecy, anybody, any believer that's filled with the Holy Ghost can speak under the influence of the Holy Ghost. And prophecy starts how? Have you, ever, you prophesied? Yeah. Okay, how did it start? Did you get the whole message all at once?
2: No. No. How did you get it? I had a... Uh, a word or a thought, and I just stepped out. And then as you step out, it begins to flow.
1: A word or a thought. Yeah. You had one. Yeah. And then when you spoke that, others came. Yeah. It starts flowing. Right? Yeah. So sometimes when people think about, well, you know, all I got is one word, yeah. that's enough. Exactly. Yeah. It is a faith connection, and that one word will release yeah. the gift of prophecy. Now, the simple gift of prophecy, again, is not the gift of a prophet. So when somebody comes in uh, and says, uh, you know, would tell something about your future, and uh, you didn't know about that, what would you do? Wouldn't say nothing. You wouldn't say <laughs> nothing. Would you believe anything?
0: About their future?
1: Yeah, about your future. Oh, mine?
0: I know I just keep walking in obedience. I'm not going to try to predict.
1: There you go. Sometimes prophecy comes from people and it is intentionally used to direct or to construct your steps. Yeah. You know what? I have this great deal with God. (laughs) God, if you want to talk to me, you're going to have to talk to me loud enough, simple enough, and face to face. If you send any of these people, <laughs> and they tell me that they came from you, and they tell me something that I don't know, yeah. I'm going to brand them as crazy. Yeah. Okay. I am not um. listening to backdoor yeah. statements about my future. Yeah. Now, if confirm, you want to talk to me, right? then you talk to me. Yeah. If they confirm it, yeah, it then that is an exhortation. That's a yeah. charging. That's a rekindling. Exactly. But. If it's setting something out that I'm not aware of, then I am not going to follow it Mm -hmm. uh, because it has nothing to do from God. It has everything to do with someone trying to help me or to give me a word or to direct Mm -hmm. me in some place that I'm not going to be heading. I
0: think think a lot of people have these kind of stories. When I was young in the ministry, I, I, I... Shared a message on a Sunday morning in a church. I was a youth pastor at a church in in Mm -hmm. Pennsylvania. guy comes up to me afterwards and said, the Lord's called you to be an evangelist. Well, thank you, sir, and exit, you know, and that's it. It wasn't a confirmation. I I didn't say, well, I I must have to receive it because somebody thought they had a word for me. Discernment, there was no confirmation there, so you just leave it there.
1: When I was young in ministry, whenever I would go into a service, I mean, services would just stop. And guys would start <laughs> prophesying to me. They always prophesied, oh, I've called you to be an evangelist. You're going to touch the world and da, 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 da. So then when God called me out of the workplace and I was out for about a year and a half, two years, I finally told God, I said, you know, I come out here because you told me to. I said, I'm starving to death. Mm-hmm. I said, you know, you called me to evangelize. I come out here. And he said, I never called you evangelized." Yeah. I said, absolutely. And he said, don't call, tell me what I said to you. I said, but those guys did. And he said, then go ask them to give you some meetings and feed your family. He <laughs> yeah. said, I never called you to be an evangelist, and don't tell me what I called you to be. Yeah. Yeah. And then he just was quiet for like three months, never said one thing. <laughs> then I was in the shower, and God said, I called you to be a pastor and a teacher to the body of Christ. Yeah. He said, and that's what I called you for, and I will make a place for you, and I will prepare a people yeah. that will listen to you. So I realized that (laughs) thus saith the Lord in spitting and sweating and slapping hands is not always the right thing to do.
2: Every word that I've received from Asbion from the Lord has been a confirmation of Mm. something that was already in my heart or spoken or, you know.
1: Yeah. uh, And that's what they should be because it exhorts comfort and edifies you to do what God has done, calls you back to that. Which God originally wanted you to do, exactly. Yeah. But uh, I think that the gift of prophecy, if it does something like that, changes yep. a service. Mm-hmm. And you say, "Well what if I've prophesied and it hasn't changed the service. You keep trying. You keep going in. instruction is a way of life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And pretty soon you'll get one that changes it, and you'll say, "You know what? That was a different thing that fell on me when that happened. Mm-hmm. And so the gift of prophecy. Might not be one of the gifts that we think are important, but God thinks it's very important. And uh, then going along with the gift of prophecy, let's talk about the uh, gift of interpretation of tongues. Every believer should be able to interpret the different ways the Holy Ghost is giving him utterances. In other words, they should be able to tell this is not for interpretation. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, This is not for uh, everybody else to hear. This is a a part of my worship with God, or God's calling me to intercede, or God's filling my mouth to intercede for Mm so-and-so. And you can know these different touches of God just like you would, hey, you know, I, I feel like we ought to sing a song yeah. or we ought to, I think we ought to pray or, hey, I think we ought to just lift our hands up towards God. If you can interpret those leadings, then why could we not interpret yeah. the leading of the Holy Ghost to use these different types of tongues? tongues
4: yeah, exactly.
1: And if you don't, then what you can do is to pray, God, I ask that I begin to interpret that I will know which way that you're leading me. God's not trying to alienate us from him. He's trying to partner with us. And so the gift of interpretation is not just to interpret the different types of tongues that we are moving into, but then it comes that we are able to interpret what God is saying in that tongue. If God would move up on you and, have you begin to intercede then you may have the freedom to say god what or who am i interceding for yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm. and uh so god will start revealing those but know this that if you don't put your faith out you'll never know Mm -hmm. you'll never know and then the gift of interpretation uh interprets what's being said in the language that you've given you know that many times the Holy Ghost will speak to you. You know, you can pray for yourself. Don't you have things that you want to get rid of in your life? Mm -hmm. Maybe your faith hasn't been doing such a good job, (laughs) but you can say, Holy Ghost, I really need to break this thing in my life. Then he will give you an utterance about that. Mm -hmm. And if you ask him to interpret what you're praying about, he will then reveal to you what is the root of what you're dealing with. Yeah. And it may not even be associated with anything that you are aware of. Yeah. But he will inter- interpret that. And then we can also interpret time. The Bible said, Jesus said, how is it you look at the skies, they're gray and yeah. and red, and you discern that it's about harvest time or storms coming. Yeah. I pray all the time that I will interpret Mm. the atmosphere Mm. of my congregation so that I can preach what they have need of. Mm -hmm. Because if you have a word in due season, then it helps heal the season. Mm. When I'm sitting in a counseling appointment or going to meet somebody, I never ever trust what they're going to say to me. (laughs) You say, you don't trust anybody. No, I didn't say that. That's not what I said. I said, when I'm in a counseling appointment, mm-hmm. I have to be able to interpret what is really being said and the intent of the heart behind What's the good. tongue that is trying to get me to hear what they want me to hear. Mm-hmm. And that will never get to the root of the problem. Yeah. But if you will interpret, God help me to interpret the need, the season, what is really needed or being said in this tongue so that I can give them a word in due season. Then God will allow you to interpret that. So you can interpret that way. And so you can interpret the tongue that they're speaking so that you will be able to uh, uh, respond in, in a way that's going to be beneficial to them you can be able to say, God, I want you to allow me to interpret really what's coming out in the vocabulary. Sometimes people speak out of hurt, out of bitterness. Sometimes they speak out of spiritual influences. And if you don't have the gift or pray God that you can interpret that, then all you're going to look at is a body and hear a voice, and you're going to take it at face value. Very few people talk to you at real face value. Yep. Believe that. Yeah.
4: Yeah, right.
1: And so you, and that even has to do with interpreting intent and motive. Well, why do you come and tell me this? Why do I need to know that? Well, I just thought you should know. Okay, have, have you done this and done that? Have you done your due diligence on the behalf of your brother when you saw this, well, well no, no, I, I didn't. So you come and you throw it on me, and now I'm supposed to be responsible for your negligence. So that's not going to work. Yeah. Not going to work at all. I'm not going to take it. You're going to go deal with it. And if you don't deal with it, then you know what? The wound of your brother will be on your hands. Yeah. See, you have to be able to interpret that type of stuff. So we can interpret the tongue. Yeah. We can even interpret the season or the time in a service when to bring forth a word or when not to bring forth a word. Yeah. And so we can interpret that way. And then we can interpret the, uh, when we're listening to people. And it's important that we be able to do that because people are very uh, introverted when it mm-hmm. comes to sharing their problem. Mm-hmm. And they may not get to it, but if you could hear the voice behind them or the voice that is behind what they're saying then you could minister to them yeah. and care for them
4: yeah, that's good.
1: so we have to be able to interpret all of those things when it comes to tongues interpretation of tongues times mm-hmm. and things of that nature so to interpret you know is to find out what is going on in someone's life yeah. by the light of God So we do interpret tongues, yes, and we do interpret body languages. I mean, you you know that works in your children and in your spouse. You Mm -hmm. can interpret what they mean. And uh, so, and then we can also interpret spiritual languages that have to do with dreams
4: Mm.
1: and visions. A lot of times people call, hey, I, I had a vision, Pastor, tell me what you think about it. Some of them I haven't called back. I know there are probably a couple <laughs> people that called me just this day, uh, this week. And uh, somebody said, have you called them? I said, no, absolutely not. Hopefully they'll get it in their head that they have all to pray about it theirself. Yeah. <laughs> because if you don't do anything, you're never going to know God any further than you are right now. That's sure. And we want to know God in the depths of being our provider and our source. And so if I get a dream, I'm not going to ask you to interpret it. Yeah. I'm going to ask God God. to interpret. I say, God, you gave me the dream. You know what it means. Now talk.
2: Yeah, exactly. Exactly.
1: But I'm not going to go out and get somebody else to tell me something (laughs) that may miss God.
2: Yeah.
1: You know? So uh, I encourage everybody that those dreams and those visions that we have, Kylan, that we are to interpret them. Mm -hmm. Start using our faith so that God can do something in our life. Amen?
2: I think that's important, Pastor, too, with what you're saying because I think I said it last week, but many of us think of interpretation of tongues as something that's only done in a corporate worship setting. Right. So not actually engaging in the interpretation of their daily language or whatever they're engaged in. Right. Absolutely. Engaged in. Yeah.
1: So you're, you're going to be crippled if you don't understand what you're praying about. Uh, or which tongue that the Holy Ghost is moving up on you. Yeah. If I begin to pray about something, if I am uh, dealing with something or I say, you know, God, I, w- I want to pray about this, Holy Ghost, give me the utterance that I can petition God the way that I need to petition Him about this situation. Yeah. Then I will begin to pray uh, in that tongue. But then if the Holy Ghost comes up on me, now, I'll pray in that tongue until I feel it finished. But if the Holy Ghost comes yeah. up on me, now I know that He's made an intervention into my life.
2: And there's a noticeable difference. Yes, and He's
1: saying, yeah. I want you to do this. Yeah. And so I interpret that. Now I'm there until He's done. Yeah. Yeah. And it may be an hour, it may be two hours. Mm-hmm. But one is subject to as much as I'm investing, the other is He's demanding yeah. investing. So you, we can uh, use all of those things as uh, interpretations of those tongues. Uh, I'm, sure you, you kids, mm-hmm. and, uh, I'm sure that you have kids, and I'm sure that you have had the opportunity. Well, why is he acting like that?
0: Mm-hmm. Lots of times.
1: <laughs> and, and you could have said, well, I don't know, it'll come out later. Or you could have said, God,
0: mm-hmm.
1: just let me interpret yeah. what he's dealing with. And so God could give you, and you got yep. two boys. that usually would be girls. Yeah. And well, yeah. <clears throat>
0: yeah, with the boys. Yeah. You yeah. Gotta, absolutely. So.
1: Got to right. relax and pray. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, then we. Uh, which one you want to go to now?
2: Well, with interpretation of tongues, I was I kept thinking of discernment of spirits. I know it's not in the vocal gifts there, but it's no, but it is in one gifts. of the revelatory yeah. gifts. Yeah. Because wouldn't that kind of tie into some of that discerning?
1: Yeah, it does, discerning. So, discerning of spirits. When you think about discerning of spirits, what do you think that means?
0: Wow, it can, can be wide range, but discerning of spirits to me is, maybe think of a different word, discerning, but in situations, moments, discerning what's happening. Well, discerning. remember, it's
1: a discerning of spirits. Mm-hmm. In the spirit
0: that's in operation in those moments and, and what's happening.
1: Yeah. yeah. It, 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 the word discerning means to become aware. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You may become aware by just a feeling. You may become aware by, you know, a thought. Or you may become aware by visual yeah. uh, looking, yeah. observation. And uh, some of them come by vision. Some of them are open visions. Uh, Some happen in dreams and so forth. But the discerning of spirits has to do with four primary issues uh, that take place in our life as Christians. The first type of discerning of spirits is that we need to be able to discern God remember he can be duplicated in the uh, arena of gaining access the bible says he comes the devil makes himself as an angel of light so you cannot reason that you cannot always scripturally define him which scripture should be if any time that you run into god or have a question about if it's god or not you should go to the scripture and find out what the word says but Let's say barring that, that you have to discern what is God and what's not God. Mm-hmm. And in any service, yeah. you could discern that. Yeah. I've looked out before and, and uh, you know, seen things going on like, you know, sometimes people are acting like devils. And then you find out later that they weren't acting. They really were a devil. <laughs> but you have to be able to discern that whether yeah. it's God leading you to do that or the devil's trying to entrap you to do that. Yeah. So I, I do this. God, I pray that I discern your will in a service. Yeah. I pray that, God, I will discern your leading because I could be led in myself. I could be, you know, anybody can be influenced by their emotions. And so you can do that. And so I always ask God, God, let me be able to discern your direction. Let me be able to discern when you want to take over. Mm -hmm. If you preach 10 minutes and God wants to take over, let him take over. Who cares? The service is about God, not us. Mm -hmm. And so we need to be able to discern God. Uh, Remember when uh, they were fighting against Peter and John and they said, look, you better watch what you do, because if you get this wrong, you're going to find yourself fighting against God and not against men. Yeah. So we have to be able to discern, I perceive this is of God. Yeah. Yeah. And so discerning of God, His will, His direction, His time, uh, those are things that we have to do. And believe me, you can know that you know that you know that God is doing it or God is behind it.
4: Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly.
1: And uh, the second one I think is, is important is discerning the spirit of man. Yeah. Now, we don't think much about that, but discerning the spirit of man will allow you how to deal with man. Hmm. You know, if you have someone that has a haughty spirit, I, I wrote some of these, uh, here, in Proverbs 15, 13, it says that people have broken spirits. Yeah. Uh, Proverbs fourteen twenty there is a hasty spirit. Then there is Proverbs eleven thirteen. 13, is a faithful spirit. Proverbs 16, 18, a haughty spirit. 16, 19, a humble spirit. 1727, an excellent spirit. 1814, a wounded spirit. And then Ecclesiastes 1.14, a spirit of vexation. And then there are spirits of blindness, spirits of bondage, the woman in Luke 13, a sp- unclean spirits, a spirit deaf and dumb spirit, Uh, then there is the, uh, not only the blind spirit, but the spirit that oppressed the man that had 2,000 devils in him. Now, these are all spirits. Now, how are we supposed to deal with them? Sometimes when people uh, are deaf or blind or something, I will say, When did this come on them? And uh, they'll say, well, I don't know, when I was five. And I'll say, okay, were you sick? And then when they say, yeah, oh, yeah, I was sick. I remember. Okay, then that leads me to know that this is a spirit of infirmity. Had nothing to do with the deaf and dumb spirit. Mm -hmm. This spirit of infirmity. Mm -hmm. And you might say, well, you man, can the devil do that? A devil can deceive you. It can absolutely deceive you. How many know that there are many epileptic spirits in, in the body of Christ? Epilep- anybody believe in epileptic spirits? No, they don't exist. You say, yeah, but what about the boy? His dad said he had a deaf and dumb spirit, and Jesus cast the deaf and dumb spirit out. The church put the, yeah. that spirit in there. Because they didn't read the Bible (laughs) So they said deaf and dumb Jesus cast out deaf and dumb And he gets healed but they said ah let's make that (laughs) And so there is no spirit Like that Mm -hmm. Really people that have These seizures There is a breakdown In the human brain Just like the same thing that causes depression It is where They shoot endorphins Back and forth and that thing will collapse because of pressure. In fact, you can cause a seizure to happen with a flashlight in a dark room. Mm -hmm. That's how they test Mm -hmm. for seizures. So they could start doing this saying, hey, devil, are you in there? (laughs) Yeah! No. See, that's just foolishness. But, you know, the church has arrived higher than Jesus.
0: Yeah, so the point of clarification is You gotta know what
1: spirit you're dealing with. Yes, and it's not always. That's right. Thank you, Kylan. (laughs) I'm just a little more brash than you. I'm telling you, but because sometimes I just get I just get crazy because people just keep believing the same old thing when it's not even true. Now, so you have all these spirits. Now, what kind of spirit are you? Because a humble spirit certainly cannot be ruled yeah. like a haughty spirit mm-hmm. or a hasty spirit. Yeah. And so yeah. you would have to understand yourself. You're talking about a personality type. Personality yes. type. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah. uh, you know, we we say personality types. I don't believe in personality yeah. tests and all that kind of stuff. I'd much rather rely on God
2: but what a person is given to is yeah absolutely
1: yes, and uh, then because you can't always go through a test and look at a personality and know what's behind it because the devil is deceptive so uh, we need to know how about when your children come home from school (laughs) I mean why are they in the attitude they are when they left in a right way you know what? That might be the influence mm-hmm. of a proud spirit, a haughty spirit, a bullying spirit, but you may not pick up on it, and they may not say anything. Mm-hmm. So when they come into your house different than they went out, you need to find out what type of spirits are around the, your kids, mm-hmm. because they will affect yeah. your children. Absolutely. So you have to be careful. And even a humble spirit is differently corrected than a haughty spirit. You Mm can come down hard on a haughty spirit and it'll still have a residue of it in there. (laughs) But you come down on a humble spirit like that and you'll break that spirit. So it would do us good to know what type of spirits that are in our children and in our families and affecting our homes. So your husband goes off to work and he's all happy every morning, praise God. You got peanut butter and jelly double stacked. He's happy, praise the Lord. And he goes to work so, and he comes home just bummed out, don't want to talk or don't want to do something. Now that's not him. So what type of spirit is influencing him? Yeah. That way you could better minister to him and you could start doing some resistance and raising a standard up for your husband or for your spouse and you would talk to them differently based on what type of spirit that they had Mm -hmm. amen all right so we we need to invade into our family's lives and find out what spirits that they are about and I don't mean going to the Chinese restaurant <laughs> fake placemat, finding out if they're a rooster or a lion or a goat or whatever. That's not what I'm talking about. No. And horoscopes are nothing but the devil. Yeah. So you need to just stay away from all of that kind of stuff. Absolutely. But if Jesus thought it was important to find out And to acknowledge that blindness had a spirit, Mm -hmm. then he could deal with that blind spirit. And when he cast that blind spirit out, then he was healed. Yet, other times he prayed for people that were blind, and he never cast that devil out. He just made a point of contact of faith. They went and washed, and they came whole. So it's important that we understand these things, that we don't just let them go. And then... Uh, The discerning, we're going to wrap these up, and then we're going to go take a break. Then the discerning of the spirit of man. The spirit of man. How have so many people got into the ministry that just are not prepared or called or ordained of God? how do we get such a conglomeration of charismatic, of people that know how to do and people that know how to this and merchandise and advertise and they build great churches? Yet nobody recognizes anything wrong. And how could a man... Go for years in affairs and somebody not pick up
4: yeah.
1: on a fornicating spirit. Yeah. How could somebody be around somebody that told lies and not know what was taking place? Yeah. Yeah. It is because we never, ever go beyond face value but we need to start knowing the spirit of man now as a pastor I am I'm the good guy and I'm the bad guy in other words the good guy that I would say hey I see a call on him I'm the good pastor but then if there's somebody over here and I don't see a call on him and he has one I'm the bad guy now, how do I rectify that? I rectify that is that God lets me see the type of spirit the man has. and That will allow me to recognize calls, purposes, gifts, and things of that nature. But if I don't see them, then I cannot go where God has not revealed to me to go. It is not I that am blind. It's that God will not let me see. So I cannot be held into being responsible for somebody else's gift. The Bible says your gift will make room for you. In other words, other people will discern your gift. But you can't discredit, get aggravated, or get off the handle just because somebody doesn't recognize your gift. Remember when uh, Elijah said, uh, well, what's wrong, what's wrong? He said, look, God's hid it from me. Mm -hmm. So we just go on and see what happens. And later it was revealed. But if God hides something from you, then you can't know. But I am more apt to allow God to reveal to me who people are and if I should be joined with them or not than me making my own decisions. And if people say, hey, I'm this and I'm that, well, that's great. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've had people that called themselves apostles come here (laughs) after I've been in ministry 34 years and tell me that I need to be under their covering. (laughs) I said, I think I'm doing pretty good. And (laughs) and Ed, they talked to Ed. Ed said, I would advise you not (laughs) to go in that office and say that.
2: (laughs) Probably a good idea.
1: If I was you, I would get out while you still got all your parts. (laughs) So, to say that I need an apostolic covering, when I went this far without them, they've got three people, I would say that I wouldn't recognize their anointing. I wouldn't recognize them as being apostles. I'd recognize them as being parasites looking for something rotten and dying to suck the rest of the life out of. So we have got to allow God to join ourselves. When I met you, Kylin, how big is, I mean, you were blown and gone. How big was your youth?
0: Oh, back there? Oh, wow. No, wow. no, I mean at oh, the church you come from. Where I come from? Yes, yeah, that's what I was thinking. Oh, well, 40 to 50 students in a, was a planted church, about 150 people. We were running
1: about 40 to 50 students. 40 to 50 people. Yep. Then when you come, I said, what do you think you can do? He said, I, I want to build a children's church, a, a team center of about 1,000 people. Mm-hmm. I said, well, great. And no, no offense on Kylan, but if you've ever met him, <laughs> his personality is like a piece of cardboard. <laughs> Now, I love Kylan because I know him and I've worked with him and I love Kylan. And I mean it. I told him his his family, you know, they want to move in ministry and stuff. We're going to believe in him. Now, I'm going to treat him just like my family because I love him and I believe in him. Yeah. But nobody else wanted me to hire Kylan because his personality. <laughs> and uh, But I felt... Like Kylan was a part of my life, I discerned a spirit on him mm-hmm. that maybe nobody else discerned, and so I hired Kylan, and I've never regretted it. Mm-hmm. And uh, so he's always stood with me, and I've always stood uh, stood with him. And uh, so I don't know if we've ever had g- disagreement. At least you haven't told me to in my face. Yeah, not no, to your face. No, no, no. <laughs> no. And uh, so, and then the last place that we need to have the discerning of spirits to see them, to be aware of them, to, you know, experience their presence or something that, and realize that any time you start getting goosebumps and, you know, feeling a presence, that is a discerning of spirits. God is here right now. Yeah. But if we started worshiping God, the discerning of spirits would go into motion, and he would start loosening our senses, and we would start feeling or discerning a presence, yeah. and that's why we don't walk all the time around with goosebumps, <laughs> and we just feel God in certain time, exactly. because that's a discerning of spirits that He's here, yeah. and once we discover that He's here, we want to then really get focused on Him. But the other way uh, that we use the discerning of spirits is discerning devils discerning devils and this is so important as when you start casting things out you start binding things when you can see what is there and i've seen a lot of a lot of devils there was a a man here a wednesday night uh had a neck brace on mark brought him up neck brace from here and down to his waist every bone in his back has been broken He's got, had two rods there and then he got rear-ended by a semi-truck, broke one of the rods, twisted the rest of his spine. And uh, so all of his neck is, all of the bones in his neck and his back are broken. So I said, okay, I'm going to pray for you. I said, and here's what's going to happen. Then all of a sudden I just saw. And I said, this is what's happened to you. This is what they've said. This is what's going on. Mark was there. And I said, now this is what's going to happen. Tomorrow morning, you'll wake up, there will be no pain. In three days, God is going to restore your whole nervous system. Your bones will never hurt you again. You're going to rise up, and that which the enemy has stolen, he lost his business, had like six or seven uh, semis and uh, some tractor trailers, and uh, he lost it all. And uh, so I said, God's going to restore those things. I said, uh, so you come back Sunday morning bringing this brace you're gonna give me your testimony. He said, okay. Now, I saw what happened to that man, but I also saw mm. what God was going to do. Mm. So, and I've prayed about people sometimes, and I mean, I've, I've run face to face with devils, right in visions and things, and mm. God would tell me, this is what's hindering mm. that man. Mm. And so then, I would deal with that spirit, and then tell that man that God had broken him free, and he would be free. Things would just transform. But we, we don't have to make them up. I mean, it is a real gift. God will open your eyes, and you will see, you will become aware of, or you'll be made known that you know, that you know, that you know that this is what's taking place. And, uh, you know, it happens all the time, but we need it in our families, too. And we need it in our workplace. We need it in our own personal lives. So we want to pray that, you know, God, that I discern yeah. things that I don't just count them as natural. But God, if they are demonic, I want to see that these are demonically built problems. Mm-hmm. There, there is demonic activity in this. And so we can do that. And we don't have to be ignorant. No. We don't have to be ashamed. So we can do that. And the discerning of spirits to me is one of the exciting gifts because you get to see stuff. (laughs) I get, yeah, I get to see stuff. And some of it's ugly, some of it's scary, uh, but you'll be able to see that. And uh, so uh, those are the uh, prophecy, interpretation of tongues, and the discerning of spirits. Now before we dismiss, I just want you to put your hand on your heart Now, Father, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, God, I release, God, the gift of prophecy, and I release, God, the gift of interpretation of tongues. God, I release the discerning of spirits that, God, you'll begin to reveal to these people God's spirits that are hindering, spirits, God, that they might be dealing with, attacking, affecting their family, that God, you'll show them to us in dreams and in visions, open-eyed visions, God, that, God, we will just know that we know that, God, our households can be protected. We can be wise in instruction and correction, God, that, God, people will be closer and more intimate with you than ever before. Now, God, I loose these three gifts to be stirred in their lives in Jesus Christ's name name. amen and amen Amen. praise God now tomorrow we are going to be laying hands on everybody too but tonight we're just going to impart these gifts when we teach them okay 10 minutes what kind nothing okay good Good. all right 10 minutes
5: Yeah. I yeah. can
0: so.
1: Okay, we ready, hallelujah. Uh, Let me answer uh, some of these questions that we have, and then we uh, will move on, and then we're going to finish up Discerning of Spirits, because we only talked about three of them. And it says, uh, if during praise and worship I receive a word of knowledge, uh, of exhortation, uh, so would be... the word, the word of knowledge uh, in a service probably would not. A word of knowledge we're gonna talk about a uh, designs, is designed different than the gift of prophecy. Now, the Bible never opens up that uh, the other uh, seven gifts are to be used among a service unless the order of the service goes that way. So in other words, if we're praising and, and worshiping God, uh, and then somebody gets a word of knowledge. So they go over and disrupt somebody that's praising God. Uh, What is that? That's not order at all, that's disorder. Mm -hmm. And uh, if you have a word of knowledge, then that word of knowledge is not going to die before you get to that person. So during a service, unless the service is opened up, which sometimes I have uh, opened the service up for people to be using the gifts of the spirit, then those gifts need not to be used until after the service and then know that they'll be judged if somebody comes to say well they said that to me they miss god well i won't say anything the first time the second time then you and i will have a conversation yeah. <laughs> and uh uh then uh, the uh so they somebody would get a uh, gift of prophecy let's use it like that and it says Uh, The flesh uh, spirit of fear tells them it's not from God. Are you being disobedient uh, or are you grieving the Holy Ghost? Neither. Because the Holy Ghost is probably trying to get you to break free from that. Mm -hmm. And so he's going to give you a word Mm -hmm. and uh, you have to just judge it. And again, it is a growing process. We don't get it all right. Uh, You know, so you may uh, prophesy and uh, say, well, you know, uh, I missed God, or well, it didn't do this, it didn't do that. Well, we have plenty of that here. But we are merciful. And the good thing about a congregation that believes in the supernatural and believes uh, in second chances then what we do is we understand that people are growing and so I think that the congregation is strong enough to take that which is good to spit out that which is bad and if it gets too much the worst case scenario is I'll talk to you you know I'm not going to put your face on the screen and say well here's this person lives you know I'll tell you that that's not going to happen but uh, everything is open to correction and uh, if if I caved in every time I got corrected or every time I missed God I don't know where I'd be so you know step out and be used of God and uh, don't worry about fear you're in house of love and don't worry about the flesh you know what you'll get beyond that and then uh, is a word of warning for future events uh can that be prophecy if you were a prophet it could be if you were accompanied with three other gifts that could be but simple prophecy no prophecy edifies comforts and exhorts don't take it out of its boundaries don't try to make it anything it's not you know sometimes people want to make everything about what they think it should be. Look, we're not wiser than God. And if there are future events that are coming, then those that stand in the prophetic office will bring them forth. And if they don't bring them forth, and understand God has lost his voice and they've all went deaf and we're all doomed. Now, none of that is going to happen. But to misuse a gift, To point people, remember I said people use the gift to direct, to converse people, to curve people, and to get them. And since it's a warning, then you got to realize that if you say it, and you want to stand in the office of the prophet, then if it doesn't come to pass on the date that you say that it should come, then you can bring your own stones or we'll get our own and you get to go through the process see sometimes we we think these things are jokes these are not jokes listen the gift of prophecy edifies comforts and exhorts don't try to make it the office of the prophet do not do it because it's wrong and that's just a dishonoring of the definitions of what God says prophecy is and uh And if you had a warning about something, it may be classified as the word of knowledge. Mm -hmm. And uh, again, the key word is warning. You're telling about something prophetic in the future. So if it doesn't come to pass, I guess you'd have to be just as ready to come to the microphone and say, Hey, I miss God, and uh, this isn't true. But that's not going to happen either. So all the warning about future events and stuff, here, here is my take on it. Because I've had some of the great prophetic teachers in our church, and they made statements about warnings that were going to happen the next year and the next year, and they never come, and they never happened. But they still want to be honored as a teacher of the Of end time events yet they've already marred themselves saying that something was going to happen and it never happened I just I don't like that I despise when when, I don't mean that people don't miss but when they say you know I have it based on good this and good that and you know anointed authorized spokesman of the Senate told me this (laughs) and this and this is gonna happen and none of it happens you know once or twice through that ring I quit jumping through it Mm -hmm. yeah and I think if you're going to talk about end time events then talk about them according to scripture but don't predict none because you aren't good at it this is serious stuff and you know the same thing happened in 2000 what was it 2000. Y2K. Y2K, Everybody, you know, buying Pat Robertson's book. You know, he's a prophet. God spoke to him. Everybody should do this and this and that. And they bought all the stuff. They did everything. And I stayed. I never had a a service past midnight in my life until (laughs) Y2K. And I said, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you right now. Every one of those people are liars. God is not going to do that, and this is not going to happen. People buying food, cutting firewood, doing all that. (laughs) And the thing of it is, even after it didn't come to pass, they didn't send their books back. They just kept watching him and sending him money. uh, There are no boundaries of right and wrong. Justice is justice. If a man said God spoke to him and he was a prophet, and then it never come to pass, folks, you better count him as a dead man. Just quit listening to him. But since we are so habitable and we just really don't care as long as they just say something to us that we can agree on, they'll be our God. That's absolutely wrong. And uh, so I stayed open till 12 or 5 after. I gave them a chance. I mean, maybe 15 minutes late. I didn't, you know. But you know what? Nothing happened. No lights went out computers still worked, I went home Ovens still worked, (laughs) didn't have to have special food from Jim Baker hallelujah, the life just went on as if God didn't even care that might reveal to us that the devil was too stupid to mess with computers (laughs) but the sad thing of it is it doesn't happen one time it happens over and over and over and over and over and over and over we have a memory like a fish you know how long it takes to re-catch a fish after you throw him back in the water seven seconds seven seconds he forgets that he's ever been caught he forgets what he just bit seven seconds you can catch him now Jesus didn't say he'd make us fish He said he'd make us fishers of men. But we're like a bunch of fish. We just keep getting caught with the same old, same old worm medicine, snake medicine, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. It's just wrong.
2: I think today the discerning of spirits is especially needed in the
1: Yeah, yeah, thank you. You're trying to calm me down. You're right. Okay. So, uh... I'm telling you I just have pet peeves I don't like people being used and I don't like people being foolish enough to keep being used All right. Uh, this one says uh, are there other gifts not spoken of uh, that are like in the New Testament where uh, David had men commissioned to build the temple and they were filled with the Holy Ghost number one they weren't filled with the Holy Ghost the Bible says they were filled with the spirit of wisdom or a spirit of skill uh, to be craftsmen in certain things. Same thing happened in uh, uh, Moses, a time where God said, I will take a spirit and I will put up on them and they will have a spirit of wisdom yeah. or a spirit of skill and they will be able to beat out the gold and, and so forth. So those are not gifts, those are deposits of skills, just like each and every one of you has a skill. Why does one guy like to uh be a mechanic? Who wants to be a mechanic? Yeah. You cut your hands up. You you always dirty, dirt on your finger. Yeah. What what is that about?
5: Yeah.
1: Or like uh Shane, a plumber. Who wants to be a plumber? Shane Not does. me. But he does. <laughs> he enjoys getting into the plumbing stuff. Yeah. I enjoy calling somebody and have enough money to stay out of the plumbing stuff now what is that that is a skill from God that is a part of his trade that is a part of his provision that is a part of his mission field but it's not that he has some special gift it is a given skill but it's not as what we would call a gift okay Then the last one says, uh, oh, depression, is it a spirit or a chemical imbalance? And, uh, or.
0: Or or depression, the same
1: thing. Oh, or oppression, are they the same thing? They can be, not everybody that's depressed is depressed because of a chemical imbalance or the lack thereof, but that's where we have to be able to discern spirits. And uh, there are times I call people out, minister to them, and, and I tell them, say, you know what? I, I called a lady out up in Finley a while back, and uh, I said, uh, you know what? You have a lack of, and I told her, the vitamin. Hmm. And I said, and that's why this is happening in your body. And the guy, and, and I said, is there anybody in here that deals with vitamins? And he said, I, I own a vitamin store. <laughs> He said, and what you just said is just what that woman deals with. That is just what that now, why didn't God say, tell her to go to the doctor? I don't know. Why did God I don't know. But I do know that God knows everything that we need. Yeah. But everything is not a spirit, everything's not a devil, everything's not sickness. Some things are genetic deficiencies. Some things are inherited weaknesses. But we have to be able to discern them to make a call and have how to use our faith. And if I was dealing with depression, then what I would do, I would not surrender to it. And I would find out what was going on. And I would go to the doctor and say, tell me if there's a deficiency in me. Tell me this. Tell me that. You know, I'll I'll tell you this uh, story. Now, this couple is in our church. They've been in our church, and they are so faithful. It it is wonderful. But one day, this woman, her husband came home, and she had her house divided with tape. Divided. I would have hoped to God I'd have got the bathroom side. But anyway, she divided her house, and she told her husband, don't ever touch me she said i am married to pastor dosak and he is my husband he said you can't he said you've seen him right up there on sunday morning she said that's just a show she said we're married and then it goes on it gets worse worse and worse until one time he tries to touch her or something, she attacks him with a knife. She is put in a psych ward. And Phyllis and I go up to visit him, up to visit her, and her husband's there. And uh, we go in and they meet me at the door and say, Pastor Dosak, we think this woman is so far gone, she will probably never come back to reality and I said really she said yeah so when you go in there's a big picture of you on the wall she thinks that those flowers that her husband brought her were put in his hand by you she thinks that she is your wife now the last thing I need is two wives (laughs) having experienced one and uh so they said, just talk about family, talk about you and Phil. So we went in there. We we're in there 40, 45 minutes. And I mean, we're talking about grandkids and all that kind of stuff. And she just ain't buying it. So we come out and we're getting ready to get on the uh, uh, elevator. And Phyllis says, I want you to tell the doctors tomorrow to check her for her hormones. I believe that they are totally out of balance. He said, I'll do it. Next day, they checked her hormones. She had started in menopause, and she just dropped to the bottom. And she had lost her mind. One week later, those two were sitting in this church, hugging each other, loving on each other, kissing on each other, their home totally restored, and her made whole. So you, if you want to talk to me about devils and this and that and no medicines and all that, no, I ain't buying it. I, I don't buy it, and I don't believe everything. The devil, I believe, ultimate cause of all sickness. Yes, but I believe that people all be checked. I think when there are things wrong, you find out what's wrong. You can use your faith. Amen. And if if you don't get an answer there, then you find out what they can do for you. And if it's medication, or if it's herbs, or whatever it is, I really don't care. But I don't think anybody should be sentenced to depression because somebody thinks that they should just get healed. Well, you know what, it's not your life, and it's not your brain, and we shouldn't condemn people. We ought to embrace them and help them bear their burdens. And if you've got so much faith for yourself, take a little of it and get them set free. Yeah. That, that'll be nice because the Bible does say pray one for another that you may be healed. Yeah. Does, doesn't it say use your faith to criticize.
2: Amen. Yeah.
1: yeah. So that is my take on it. I would first get tested. I would find out. I, I would not live my life without joy. How depressing can that be? And, uh, you know, you, I think I've seen on TV one time, they were advertising depression medicine. The side effect of this medicine is you may be suicidal, uh, you may be impotent, you may be this, and you may gain weight. I said, my God, isn't that why people get depressed?
5: <laughs>
1: so you've got to be careful of the side effect. Yeah. But there are ways that you can find out, and I would encourage you to do so. Do not resign to half a life. That, that's all there is to it. I, I just don't believe in living half. Now, yeah. the last yeah. discerning of spirits we're going to talk about is the discerning of angels. angels. Mm-hmm. And uh, let's go to a 2 Kings 6 and uh, I think it's verse 13, Rob. Okay. 2
2: Kings six thirteen. Yeah. And he said, go and spy where he, uh, he is, that I may send and fetch him, and it was told him, saying, Behold, he is in Dothan. Therefore sent he to their horses and chariots and a great host, and they caught him and compassed the city about. Um, and when the servant of the man of God was risen early and gone forth, behold, a host compassed the city both with horses and chariots. And his servant said unto him, Alas, my master, how shall we do? And he answered, Fear not, for they that be with us are more than they that be with them. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha.
1: So they were there, but he couldn't see them. So Elijah, even in the Old Testament, prayed that his eyes would be opened. He prayed that the discerning of spirits would come upon him. So if they prayed for it in the Old Testament and it worked, why could we not pray for it in the New Testament? Yeah, we certainly can So we should ask God to release them. And, uh, you know, I have had the privilege uh, that I have a captain of a healing host of angels that travel with me. And this had been verified so many times. Like, uh, Eric, one time we were... Uh, in Boston wasn't it and uh, I uh, right before service an angel came through the uh, wall and uh, he talked to me and I wrote things down and uh, then after the service was over the pastor said he he couldn't speak English so he said in Portuguese could you please apologize Pastor Dosak Uh, I should have told him this before service I said "Oh, no problem what was it he said when I come into my church tonight there was a crowd of angels there. And he said, it like spooked me, whoa! And they said, oh, don't worry, we're here because we travel with Pastor Dose in these healing meetings. And uh, he said, oh, okay. So, uh, so he goes on and, and uh, the service happens. But when we get to the restaurant, he's telling me that and I tell Eric, Eric, go get my Bible. So Eric goes, gets my Bible opens the Bible it happened in the Red Roof Inn in Boston and uh, I have Eric read that encounter with that angel and that confirms the encounter that the pastor had and that angel was given to me when I was in Russia and I was in a crusade and things just were not breaking forth and uh, I said God I I need a breakthrough so I went on a, a prolonged fast while I was in Russia And uh, during that, uh, towards the end of the fast, God spoke to me and said, I'm assigning you a captain of a healing host. Mm. And uh, I said, okay. And so then uh, Bud Lively was with me. And uh, so Bud and I were there. And uh, that next night, that night, we had ambulances pulling up from the hospitals and putting people out on these wooden benches that we had made outside. And uh, all of a sudden, people were just jumping up off cots, coming out of uh, ambulances and being healed. That night, there were 27 deaf and dumb uh, people. A whole school was there, and every one of them spoke and and heard. Amen. And uh, so it was a great breakthrough. And ever since then, I have that. Ever since then, I invite them in on crusades with me. But this discerning of spirits that Elijah had is the same thing that we can have. And not that we seek angels. We don't need to seek angels. They're all around us and it's at God's discretion. We will see them if need be. But I've never sought to see an angel and I've never sought to see Jesus. Those things are at their discretion. And I don't want to invade into something that will, could catch me up and uh, harm my faith and, uh, so, but you can use the discerning of spirits to see angels. And uh, I want to make sure that there is a discerning of angelic beings around me so that if I need to see them or so forth, that I have access to them. So I ask God, God, let me discern the presence of the angelic host tonight. And uh, so I do. Uh, and Eric will tell you, sometimes I'll be preaching, i just stop and say, hey, there's a witch here. Where are you? And uh, they'll stand up because they want to confront you. They stand up with me, they get powerless. And uh, you you can discern that type of stuff. And you can discern angelic arrivals. And you don't want to talk about angels much because then people get worshiping angels and all that. And nothing is about angels. It's about Jesus. So that is the four ways that we use the discerning of spirits Heroes. and uh yes rob you got something to get no kylie okay what do you want to talk about now which gift
2: Kyle, here go Michael, <laughs> yes
0: <laughs> uh,
1: word of knowledge there you go yeah Whew. we don't have time tomorrow's <laughs> going to be a word of knowledge there is so much yeah in the word of knowledge Let, let's do a word of wisdom yeah. will that make you happy Absolutely. Uh, was. Okay. <laughs> word of wisdom. Let, let's go to word. word of wisdom. Uh, the word of wisdom. What does wisdom do?
2: Wisdom brings, uh, it's more than information. It's, yes. It's, knowledge can be information, but wisdom is how to apply it.
1: How to apply yeah. something successfully. Yeah. And, you know, there are multitudes of people that have been through college but end up working in a factory because they don't have wisdom to institute the learned skill yeah. and that happens more so than not really I, it just happens we had a what is that a kumbala what what is that the the the, the guy that oh no I'm not kumbala I'm sorry the guy that is uh the high guy in a class
0: Oh, the
1: Valley Victorian that's in the same in, in my mind it's in the same case so uh, he attended our church his dad was a uh, golf pro at a Pickwell Country Club and uh, he was Valley Victorian of Oral Roberts University of the dental class that he came out of he came here and he started a dentist business and it wasn't about a year that he was totally bankrupt and going under And he said, I got plenty of business. I just don't have the wisdom to manage it. Hmm. And so what he did was he joined the Air Force, which he got a commission when he joined, and he just became a dentist and panned out very well for him. And uh, he was blessed. So uh, sometimes you can be great at something. You don't have enough wisdom to do it. Then you can't make anything go. So let's talk about the word of wisdom Let's go to a 2 Kings 4, 38 through 41. 38 through 41, 2 Kings
0: 4. While they're turning there, maybe make a point. Somebody brought this up last week. So we're talking about a gift of the Spirit, the Word of Wisdom, which is subsequent or after the infilling of the Holy Spirit. But we're jumping back to the Old Testament.
1: We did to compare, but yes. there were gifts mm-hmm. in the Old Testament that were used under the old covenant now they weren't filled but certain gifts were made available to them to confirm their offices Mm -hmm. and to complete a sovereign plan of god Uh, the the prophets many times you'll look at the prophets that we're talking about they were the ones that had these gifts fall on them Mm -hmm. and so they weren't filled but these gifts would come do you know that even Even the gift of tongues was released in the Old Covenant. You remember when the finger came mm-hmm. and wrote? Remember that uh, Hezekiah, uh, not Hezekiah. Uh, who? Yeah. Nebuchadnezzar, thank you. Nebuchadnezzar had conquered... Yeah like two-thirds of the known world, and he had all these languages, but nobody in the kingdom could interpret that language. Mm -hmm. So they had to call on Daniel. Daniel said that God can interpret, and Daniel gives them a revelation of what was written. He didn't translate it verbatim. He interpreted what God said to him, and that happened several times in the Old Testament. Uh, Let me ask you this. What did Jesus say on the cross? What? But what did he say uh, when he said, uh, and they, some said, oh, he calls on Elijah. Yeah. Some. What was the words?
2: Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani.
1: Thank you, Bob yeah. and Rob. Now, <laughs> now, let me ask you something. What did that mean? They thought he was talking to Elijah, but nobody could tell what he said. Nobody could interpret what he said. Where did Jesus get that tongue?
2: I'm not answering.
1: (laughs) Do you think it could have been an utterance by the Holy Ghost? Nobody there around that. Remember, there were people from all around the world there. Mm -hmm. There were 3,000 we know of got saved on the day of Pentecost. But none of them could understand that language. Jesus was filled with the Holy Ghost. And he had the spirit without measure. Mm -hmm. Jesus, without a shadow of a doubt, would have had to have access and usage of an unknown tongue mm-hmm.
2: yeah it's tra- translated in Aramaic so yeah
1: yeah yeah so but they couldn't even understand him yeah. so you would ask okay so Jesus spoke that language or was it given to him as that language mm-hmm. he wasn't a man of many languages He was a man of Galilee. Yeah. It's interesting. Just a thought.
5: Yeah.
1: (laughs) In my own mind. Yeah. All right. So go uh, 2 Kings, the fourth chapter, verse 38. Verse
2: 38. Uh, It says, And Elisha came again to uh, Gilgal, and there was a dearth in the land, and the sons of the prophets were sitting before him. And he said unto his servants, Set." On the great pot and see the pottage for the sons of the prophets. And one went out into the field to gather herbs and found a wild vine and gathered thereof wild gourds, his lap full. And he came and shred them in the pot of pottage, for they knew them not. So they poured out for the men to eat. And it came to pass as they were eating of the pottage that they cried out and said, "O thou man of God, there is death in the pot," and they could not eat thereof. But he said then bring meal and then cast it into the pot. And he said, pour it out for the people that they may eat. And there was no harm in the pot.
1: Now, I think that was a word of wisdom. It was not based on his background as a chemist. (laughs) It was a word of wisdom where God understood all of the structures and knew what was in that pot.
5: Hmm.
1: And so I think that, the meal, whether it did something to the poison in the pot, or if it was just an act of faith, it was the word of wisdom. Yeah. The word of wisdom many times directs us of how to deposit faith, but then how to harvest faith. And uh, so, when you're talking to people, you know, and you begin to interpret their mindset or begin to uh, you know have a discerning of spirit and find certain things out about them you will be able to talk along lines that they'll understand and that is a word of wisdom yeah. because you are breaking into realms that maybe nobody else has and they will receive faith they'll receive faith and then jesus used the word of knowledge uh word of wisdom many times to cause people to activate their faith to receive a miracle. Like the man said, take up thy bed and walk. The guy said, oh, okay, he just got up. That was a word of wisdom. Now, he might have thought about that a hundred times, but Jesus connected it and said, you know what? This is what this guy needs to release his faith. And so a word of wisdom can tell you how to put faith in people's lives and how to harvest faith for a miracle. And so we need to use that, but also we need to have a word of wisdom that God will give us that we can break through things. Yeah. There are sometimes people won't hear you, yeah. and it's not because of what you're not saying. It's just the condition of their heart. Yeah. But what if you were wise enough to speak a word And it would penetrate their spirit. That's a word of wisdom. And uh, Kyla, will you go to 2 Kings 5, 8 through 14.
0: And it was so when Elisha, the man of God, had heard that the king of Israel had rent his clothes, he sent to the king, saying, Wherefore hast thou rent thy clothes? Let him come unto me, and he shall know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman came with his horses and his chariot, and he stood at the door of the house of Elisha. And Elisha sent a messenger unto him, saying, Go and wash in Jordan seven times, and thy flesh shall come again to thee, and thou shalt be clean. But Naaman was wroth, and he went away, and said, Behold, I thought he would surely come out to me, and stand, and call in the name of the Lord his God, and strike his hand over the place, and recover the leper. Are not Abana and, and far, far rivers of Damascus better than all the waters of Israel? May I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in a rage. And his servants came near and spake unto him and said, My father, if the prophet had bid thee to do some great thing, wouldst thou not have done it? How much rather then, when he said unto thee, Wash and be clean? Then he went down and dipped himself seven times in Jordan, according to the saying of the man of God. And his flesh came again like the flesh of a little child, and he was clean.
1: Why did Elijah say seven times? Word of wisdom. He got a word from God that says, I want you to require this of this man. Seven times, not six. He did it seven because he was breaking barriers down. In Naaman's mind. He was breaking them. And when he came to the place that he began to believe God. Because he accomplished something. That was his act of faith. Mm -hmm. That was his act of release. And so we can do that. You know you think about God when God says. uh, Okay people get born again. But their conscience is still stained. He gives us a word of wisdom that says, after you're born again, be baptized. Yeah. And it has nothing to do with washing away your sins. Yeah. has everything to do with cleaning your conscience.
4: Oh. Yeah.
1: That's a word of, word of wisdom. And so yeah. it can just, even though it may seem small, it transforms your whole perspective yeah. about God. And uh, let's do one more. And let's go to, uh, oh, I, I like this one. Second... Kings 4, 1 through 7, Rob.
2: Now there cried a certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets unto Elisha, saying, Thy servant, my husband, is dead, and thou knowest that thy servant did fear the Lord, and the creditor is come to take unto him my two sons to be bondmen. And Elisha said unto her, What shall I do for thee? Tell me, what hast thou in the the house? And she said, Thine handmaiden hath not anything in the house save a pot of oil. And then he said, Go, Borrow these vessels abroad of all thy neighbors, even empty vessels, borrow not a few. And when thou art come in, thou shalt shut the door upon thee and upon thy sons, and shalt pour out into all those vessels, and thou shalt set aside that which is full. So she went from him and shut the door upon her and upon her sons who brought, brought the vessels to her, and she poured out. And it came to pass when the vessels were full that she said unto her son, bring me yet a vessel And he said unto there, there is not a vessel more, and the oil stayed. Then they came and told the man of God, and he said, go sell the oil, and pay thy debt, and live thou and thy children of the rest, off the rest.
1: Now, what did she say she had in her house? Oil. How much? A pot. A pot. Yeah. And then she went out and borrowed pots. Yeah. Elijah gives her a word of wisdom to ignite her faith. Mm. When she first starts pouring the pot into the other vessels, yeah. it might have been enough to fill two or three. Mm. Yeah. She had a pot, but she's supposed to borrow vessels. Yeah. Now, a pot is bigger than a vessel. Mm. Yet, the act of the word of wisdom caused her to see something happening. Yeah. And it ignited her faith, and as supernatural act of multiplication mm. went into action. Amen. So it was a word of wisdom that ignited her faith. Even though she started out with something that she had greater than what she was feeling, but in that, that word of wisdom, God knew her mind yeah. will make a turn. And she made a turn, and she believed all she had to do was keep pouring. It never said that the pot filled back up. It might have got down to there was just a (laughs) half a cup in the bottom. But as she kept doing that, that ignited faith in her heart. Then after she got the one that the pot couldn't have filled, except by God, Katie barred the door. She could have had a you know a yeah. bath with oil. she could have done anything. Yeah. she should bar bathtubs yeah. <laughs> and and so here she has a word of wisdom, and it only takes one word. but the word of wisdom, yeah. just like the word of wisdom of baptism, cleanses a man's conscience, so her mind transforms just like that by a word of wisdom. So we can use this word of wisdom or God can give us a word of wisdom and that has to do with when to do something. It says how to do it and all that type of stuff. Also puts seed into the ground that leads us to a successful end. So we need to release the word of wisdom in our life. So when we're talking we don't just talk to people but that we have a tongue of the learned, yes. of the wise, so that we can skillfully maneuver through people's lives, cut off unbelief, stagnate fear, and so forth. Mm-hmm. So the word of wisdom is very important. It will tell you where to do things, how to do things, and all that type of stuff. Uh, That's good. When we wait upon the Lord like this, and we're releasing the word of wisdom, and you will know when these gifts come. You'll just sense them and pray that you will interpret that, that sensibility, that that something has fell on you. Yeah. And as you do, then you'll begin to not only seed yourself for miracles, but you'll begin to activate the harvest of a miracle. Oh, miracle. And so we need to speak into our kids. How many of you know that there are certain things that you can uh, stir your kids with, make them mad about, or... <laughs> Whatever, well what if you had a word of wisdom to inspire your kid every day that they yeah. could be better than what they are that not that they aren't acceptable where they are, that's not what I'm saying, yeah. but that you gave a word of wisdom to them that would spark their life,
4: Amen.
1: spark their life, believing that God would do something for them. Yeah. Believing that God was going to give them a breakthrough. Mm-hmm. Hey, look for today because God's going to give you an answer to something you don't know about. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> Pretty soon you begin to build a life of wisdom and expectancy yeah. in your children. Amen. And I think sometimes that we have laxed in those skills of putting wisdom in our children. Yeah. Every day. Mm-hmm. You know, my dad used to put Wisdom in my life. You'll amount to nothing. Oh, praise God. Boy, this is a great, great man. You got straight D's and F's. We're so proud of you. That's really how my mom and dad had talked to me because there wasn't anything else but D's and F's. But uh, I think that you can put wisdom into your children and speak expectancy. Into them, and I believe God can give you a word for your children. Amen. And uh, so, the word of wisdom, pray for it. Jesus uses it in the New Testament, Paul uses it, the Old Testament prophets used it. And so, a word of wisdom will tell you how to release your faith. Yeah, that's good. Just release your faith the way that He says to release it. Yeah. And if you can get people to do that, they can see a miracle. Yeah. They can see a miracle. Praise God. All righty. Hallelujah. Tomorrow morning, we're going to be laying hands on everybody, and we're going to be finishing up on the gifts, and uh, we'll be praying for you. The Word of Knowledge, which is one of the great gifts that everybody likes, uh, we'll be talking about that and uh, talking about the working of miracles and the gifts of healing, and we'll wrap the.